0: This is Off the Record, the weekly KOTO public affairs show that offers you, the listener, an opportunity to hear in-depth conversations on community topics and issues that matter. As always, you are encouraged to join the conversation by calling 728-4333. Now here's your host.
1: Good evening, Kota listeners. You are tuned into Off the Record. I'm your host, Julia Caulfield, and today we are talking about the two ballot measures up for a vote in Telluride this November looking at housing. Um, This is a call-in program, as listeners will know, so if you have any questions or comments, please give us a call at 970-728-4333. I'm going to put it out there that I think there's a lot of feelings and emotions about and thoughts about these measures, so if you do call in, please keep your comments or questions maybe a little bit brief so we can make sure to get to everybody throughout the hour. Uh, Joining me this evening, I have Keith Hampton and Pedro Maquera, representing the ballot measure 2D, and Emily Scott Robinson and Haley Nenadol with Citizens Initiative 300. Thank you all for being here this evening.
2: Thank you. We're so happy to be here.
1: So before we kind of get into talking with all y'all about what's going on. I do want to quickly go over a couple of the nuts and bolts of how these measures work. Um, So Measure 300, the Citizens Initiative, would put a 400 license cap on short-term rentals in the town of Telluride, with exceptions for those who rent out their primary residence and units that are not allowed for owner occupancy. And then we have Measure 2D, which would put a two-year moratorium on short-term rental licenses, so keeping them where they are at now for the next two years, and then it would also double short-term rental license business, short-term rental business license fees. Um, Something I think is important to note is that both of these measures are able to pass. It's not necessarily one or the other. Both could pass, neither could pass, one could pass and the other wouldn't, And the only thing that would kind of change is whichever measure gets more votes would then take the precedent in the place that they're conflicting. Sounds confusing. So in theory, they both pass and 300 gets more votes. The 400 cap would go into place and the business license fees would double. In the case that both pass but 2D gets more votes... In that case, it's a little bit more like 300 is null and void because the moratorium on business licenses would be set by 2D. And since that's really the only thing that 300 does, that part wouldn't um, go into effect. So I think that's a little bit, it's a little bit in the weeds, long-winded. But so when voters, when you get your uh, ballot, you are welcome to vote yes on both of these measures. You're welcome to vote no on both of these measures or one or the other, it's up to you. That's a lot from me right at the top. So I also uh, wanna start by hearing from all of you about why you support the measure that you do, why you're behind this. And Keith and Pedro, let's start with you uh, chatting about Measure 2D, why you think this is a good measure and why you would like people to support it.
3: Sure. Well, thank you for having us here. Um, We're very excited to uh, uh, get a chance to to reach out to voters and and talk about these issues. So uh, Question 2D is a ballot measure that is focused on increasing uh, the availability of affordable housing in Telluride. And um, uh, as you mentioned, Question 2D has two parts. It it puts a moratorium on the issuance of short-term rental licenses for a period of two years. And then second, uh, it uh, imposes a 100% increase on business license fees uh, for holders of short-term rental licenses. And really, we think uh, uh, voters should support Question 2D uh, for two main reasons. Um, one is that we uh, maintain the, the funding for long-term affordable housing that's in place now. Uh, We're very lucky in this community to have a pipeline of housing projects that are in place and are going to come online uh, over the next one to four years, some as early perhaps as next spring. And it's critical that we maintain the funding for those projects uh, so that they can be constructed. And the second uh, reason is that there is a time lag between today, when we're in the middle of a housing crisis, and a year, two years, or four years when these projects are coming online and people can move in. So what do we do in the interim? to help people find housing and address the crisis we have now. And that's where the increased funding, uh, the $200,000 in funding that'll come from doubling the business license fees comes in, because we'll be able to use that money to really look at programs like rental assistance where we can reach out to people and really get them in homes um, now, this winter, and start to address this problem immediately.
1: Just to clarify where we're getting that math. So you say the $200,000 because that is roughly the revenue that will be raised by the number of short-term rentals that we have currently doubling what their yearly license fee is.
3: That's correct.
1: Got it. Um, Emily and Haley, let's go to you and chat about why you're behind uh, Citizens Initiative 300.
2: Hi, everyone. Uh, This is Emily here and Haley next to me. We're so excited to be here today, and um, we're proud to present ballot measure 300, which close to 30% of the Telluride electorate signed before it went on the ballot. This is a radical measure that we've put forth to help restore balance in the town of Telluride. We've all seen the hundreds of job listings in the classifieds and the restaurants and coffee shops that we love shutting their doors, and the many Facebook posts about locals losing their housing, and also people wanting to move here who already have jobs and cannot find a place to live. Yes, it has always been hard to carve out a life here, as we've heard, we know this, but Telluride is closer than ever to becoming a ghost town. And it's time to take drastic action to save the community that we all love. As of today, 42% of free market homes in Telluride have short-term rental licenses. The number of Airbnbs and VRBOs and short-term rental properties in Telluride have increased by 75% in the past five years. This has created a tremendous housing scarcity for locals, driven up prices, and displaced a large portion of our working class. We've done the research, and national studies conducted by Forbes, Harvard Business Review, the Economic Policy Institute, show that an unregulated and uncapped short-term rental market is detrimental to neighborhoods and communities across America. Tourist destinations around the country began implementing their short-term rental caps five to six years ago in order to protect their local residents and to great success. We are behind. So with that information, we drafted a citizens initiative that became ballot measure 300, which will reduce the number of short-term rentals in the town of Telluride from 42% back to 30% in order to restore balance to our community so that everyone who lives here and all the people who come to visit here can enjoy Telluride. It's high time to save our town, and we hope that you vote yes on 300 to do that.
1: Can I push a little bit on Mm -hmm. um, the 75%? I think that these numbers are a little bit squishy, right, because there's not necessarily um, exact numbers of how many houses are in a certain place, but numbers that I've seen from or heard from the governments and clerks and things of that show that the numbers in the last five years is actually around closer to around 30 percent increase. Can you talk about where did you get that 75 percent from?
2: We got those numbers straight from the town clerk, Julia. So the town of Telluride issues uh, business license every year, business licenses every year. And so those are reports from Tiffany Cavanaugh. And those are the numbers from 2016 to 2021. And there's a 20 Seventy five percent in total short term rental licenses between that time period.
1: So are you saying that the the number of um, like the percentage of short term rentals as a number or short term rental licenses or the number of houses, houses in this community that have short term rentals? Is that seventy five percent? Because I think that's maybe a little bit of the squishy. Yeah. Based off of the numbers that I have seen, the numbers of. If you're looking at overall numbers, it's actually only an increase of about 30% when you compare it to the total number of houses in the, in the town.
2: Hmm. Um, interesting. So we just took the numbers of licenses from the town of Telluride compared to the current number of free market residential units in the town of Telluride. Um, there has, of course, been more building over the past five years um but we still think that 40 percent 40 plus percent of free market units in the town of telluride right now today um we got the numbers today from tiffany cavanaugh it's 823 licenses as of now you know we can go back and forth on the on the specifics of the numbers and the growth but that feels like an incredibly high number and it has showed a steady increase if you look at the town clerk's numbers year over year since they first started taking them down in 2010 that it's increased steadily. Um, there have been plateaus in the numbers, and these numbers are publicly available. We're happy to share them with anybody who wants them. Um, the town clerk also has them.
1: Perfect.
3: May I jump in here yeah, and, go on. and kind of help clarify? Because I do think, you know, if we're being asked to make really big decisions in our community, uh, it is important that we have the right numbers and we understand what's really happening. So first, let's let let's talk about the 75% number. That would be looking at business licenses that were issued and are reported in 2017 versus the numbers that were reported in uh, August, let's say, of 2021. Um, At the time, the town put their emergency moratorium in place. And if you look at those numbers, you have to uh, dig deep into the data and see what's really driving those numbers and uh, what's behind them. And what you start to find is that the numbers are, for example... uh, uh, accounting changes that have occurred in the town where, for example, Mountainside Inn was counted as one license in 2016. Now, because they sold off the units, it's counted as 77 licenses. There were always 77 units that were in the short-term rental market. It's now just an accounting fiction. Um, There's been similar accounting fictions that have happened uh, because of changes in ownership of units as as an old owner goes out and doesn't cancel their license and a new owner comes in and buys a new license that creates, um, uh, a double counting of licenses. So if you really go through, which we've done, we've taken the entire business license list and scrubbed every single license and identified exactly where it is and whether it's a new license or an old license. And I can tell you, your number is closer. There's been uh, a 27% increase in licenses since 2016, um, And and not seventy five percent, and and I think you know it is critical that we understand what we're really talking about here. Um, I would also say that the the same kind of of analysis needs to be done on what percentage of our housing stock is actually uh, represented by short term lodging. You know, the most recent data from the Community Survey, uh, which is issued by the uh, uh, census, uh, says that there's 2,060 housing units in Telluride. And of those housing units, that was in 2019. If you look at 2019 numbers um, for short-term rental, you find that, in fact, it's only 28% of the housing units are, in fact, short-term rentals. Does that include deed
2: restricted because we kept deed restricted out of our numbers because those don't really qualify since they're not free market.
3: They are housing units.
2: Okay. So so, we...
3: so when the census right. counts 2,060 housing units, mm-hmm. those are housing units. And so mm-hmm. I think it's important to say, you know, we're, we're putting numbers out there. We're saying 42% of the housing units are short term. It's just not true. 28% is closer, um, and I do think, as you said, 30% is actually kind of a target. Cresta Butte, that's the target they put in place, um, and, and, and I think that's not an unreasonable level.
2: We currently have 1,944 free market residential units in Telluride. We currently have 823 short-term rental licenses. That's roughly 40% of the free market homes. That's what we're referring to. Since deed restricted can't be on the free market, we're just talking about free market.
1: And we have a call coming in. So if y'all want to pop on your headphones, we're going to bring this person up on the air. Headphones on for everybody. Hi, you're live on Kodo. In theory. Hello? Oh, we should be. All right. OK, we have a new board. I'm still working out how everything works. Let's try this again. Does not appear. Ah, wait, here we go. Maybe. Ah. I can hear now hi now you're live yeah, on yeah.
0: Uh, hi 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 Hi. <laughs>
1: sorry about that um, let me know when
0: i let me know when I, this is lee zeller um i'd like to ask a question
1: go for it
0: hi um this is lee zeller um i would like to ask a question right now
4: hey
0: this is lee zeller i would like to know uh one question keith how does can you hear me yes Okay, perfect, because I'm down-valley, you know how that is, down-valley. Anyway, um, Keith, how does how does our ballot measure, 2D?
1: Oh, sorry, I think these are issues on my communication side. Oh,
0: okay, gotcha. I can hear that. It's not me.
1: If you can hear us, um, go for it now. All right.
0: Okay. So, wow, this is really weird. Anyway, um, so affordable housing is actually the issue, if I'm not mistaken. Could we please kind of go back to get off the short-term business licenses and and show the differences in what the ballot 2D does and measure 300 does? for affordable housing because we need to get employees in affordable housing as soon as we can. And we are pushing for the town to do, you know, temporary housing where we we want them to get into housing as soon as they can uh, with rental assistance, with, you know, studying who's who's waiting on the waiting list. So could you, the two people please um, address that issue because it is about affordable housing. We need to house people this winter going forward and how are the two ballot measures going to address affordable housing thank you
1: thanks for your call i can take that
5: one this is haley um Lee. this is haley um we've never claimed none none of our bill has ever been about affordable housing i actually was part of the 2.5 percent short-term rental tax two years ago and i believe you were the one that filed the opposition against us. So I would like to address that first and foremost, but we have never claimed to make it about affordable housing. Um, one of the reasons we did 300 is because we have been raising a lot of money for affordable housing in the last two years with the 2.5% tax. Um, March of this year was $118,000 to affordable housing. I think, I don't have the number in front of me, but it was something like $127,000 this last July and it's not about for us that's not what it's about for us it's about how do we retain the inventory in town how do we use the amount of housing that's already built in town a lot of the 40 affordable housing projects are five years down the road we've got about 30 units being built on the sunny side um they're talking about the one over the um skate park they're talking about the ones down Ilium that tells is building but for us it was a more immediate need to use the town the houses that are already in the town of Telluride, and how do we make better use of them?
1: I do want to um, on that note, I mean, so in the the ballot initiative language, it does say for the purpose to promote. Long-term... Oh,
2: sorry. Oh, that was so loud. Uh, Wow. (laughs) I'm a musician. I should know how to use a mic. I do. Um, It says to promote long-term rental opportunities. It does not use the term affordable housing. This is about using the space we have and the units that we have because we all know we're in a box canyon. We have such limited space. We can't build our way out of this problem. We have millions and millions of dollars already allocated towards affordable housing. 2D is only going to add about $200,000 a year to the affordable housing measure. And that's through these business license fees, which the town of Telluride's town council has already agreed that whether or not their measure passes, they're going to increase. In fact, Telluride's business license fees are a quarter the cost of business license fees in places like Aspen and Breckenridge, who typically charge a minimum of $1,000. The town council, with one vote, can raise those business license fees and has already committed to doing that in the future.
1: Keith and Pedro, if you'd like to step in on that conversation as well.
3: Yeah, so I I think a, a couple of things that we need to note. You know, f- first of all, the town council can take action on a broad range of issues. They could decide to limit short-term rental licenses to 400 if they wanted to. So the question really is, why do we put this stuff on the ballot in the first place? And I think the reason we do is because we want to get... Input from the community. We want to understand the priorities that the community has, and and what, in fact, we're we're looking at accomplishing. And and I think uh, that's what getting on the ballot means. And so for us, we think there's two critical things that we've got to look at. One is that um, 2D is not operating in a vacuum. If 3D were to pass, 300. And, I'm sorry, 300 were to pass. Um, you would reduce the number of short-term rental licenses to 497, even considering all the exemptions and exceptions that might be included. And that would reduce taxes available uh, to build affordable housing uh, by $270,000 a year. So if you take $270,000 loss from the uh, the 300 measure and $200,000 in addition, we're talking about $500,000 a year, out into infinity that's available for us to build affordable housing. And I don't understand the concept that says we're not going to build our way out of affordable housing. I think it's the only way we're going to get affordable housing, uh, the affordable housing problem solved in this valley. We have to build new housing, and we have to put resources against that to provide new units for people to move into. Because the existing housing stock just isn't available. And and we'd all like to wish it would be so. But in fact, we're lucky here, as I mentioned earlier, that we have housing in the pipeline that's ready to be built by the town of Mountain Village, the town of Telluride, the county, and the ski area. And I think finally, as a part of it, we're going to end up with question 300, uh, not just reducing taxes and not just reducing money available for affordable housing, but we're going to reduce money available to pay workers in town. We're going to lose jobs in town. And I know when I've talked to Pedro, um, that's one of the things that concerns him most in, in his position. And I don't know if you want to touch on that.
6: Yes. So thank you, everyone, to be here. Um, my name is Pedro Maquera. I don't know how many people know me in this town. I've been a, a current resident frontier for the last 16 years in my community. I was helping a lot of like, the Latino community around town. Since like many years ago, I was part of Tri-County Health Network, not helping them like affordable housing. I was helping them getting all like, health insurance, getting funds, support the, the community. That's why to, for me to be a small business owner, I'm here today to support 2D because a lot of people that are working at night, a lot of people that are cleaning all this beautiful town, you know, they're behind the scenes. They don't know what's going on. So we will come here, I take this place to be be listen, help and support to the because I believe on that housing is a nationwide issue. It's not just an hotel. Right? So having to the supporting with the taxes, having all property management paying double for license fees is gonna help our community.
2: I have a question for Pedro about his involvement with the Latinx community because I too am fluent in Spanish and used to be an advocate here for the San Miguel Resource Center and worked for several years with the Latinx community. Um, The other day, uh, Pedro helped host an informational session on October 7th at the library in collaboration with Element 52 and (coughs) Telski. And at that event, there were employees invited of all those organizations. And they were told that if they voted yes on 2D, that they would keep their jobs. And that if they voted yes on 300, that they would likely lose their jobs in this community. And I want to ask Pedro whether he understands that voter intimidation is illegal in the state of Colorado and it is illegal to pressure a person to vote for or against a candidate or a ballot initiative, particularly if there is a working relationship. I also advocate for the Latinx community here and I have seen that Telluride used to have long term rental opportunities for Latinos here and now they have all almost all of them have had to move to Montrose because there are no more long term rentals for them here. So tell me, Pedro, was there voting intimidation at that session?
6: It's not true. Okay. I was invited not for element fifty two or Telski. There was so, a speaker there from Telski. Yeah, I invite a person. Representing, you know, we went to the day before to listen about Telsky. So that's like Telsky doesn't involve here, and like same with element 52. I just do it myself when I heard 300. I said, like, I need to know about 300. I called a lot of people before weeks ago. I said, let's create a debate. Let's get all together.
2: But we were not invited we to were that called.
6: debate. I spoke with a group of the leaders of the community on the Latino side to say people need to involve, need to be mm-hmm. know about 300 and 2D. Mm-hmm. So they, I didn't have any support. I, I invite a lot of people. Nobody get back to me. And then I, I say, I need to let people know what's mm-hmm. going on. I spoke for 2D. I didn't I spoke for 300. I didn't push any other people got invited to the day. Maybe it was a missing understand when people was mm-hmm. present there. I they didn't listen correctly what I tried to say, but the first word I say, I invite everyone mm-hmm. to know vote for me, know vote like for two hundred today. I we invite have, you, mm-hmm. everyone, to know. One of the things I like to know, I like to do when mm-hmm. I was part of my community is educate people.
2: You told people ah. to vote for 2D, and those people were employees of Telsky, your company, and Element 52. Is that correct?
6: No. I see a lot of people around. Okay. They know, they, yeah. you know, we some, have a, they used to work, they work nobody, everywhere in town. We so. have another. And,
3: and, look, let me jump in here, because this mm-hmm. is a yeah. pretty serious allegation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We had representatives there
6: here. who can confirm
2: all of this. Yeah.
3: And, you know, it's, I was there. You guys were not there. We were not invited to We had Spanish-speaking representatives at that meeting. You guys were not there. And, in fact, you did have representatives there, and they spoke up quite a bit. There was quite a healthy discussion. Um, There was presentations, which were good uh, by several people. There were question and answer, which was great, a lot of back and forth. Uh, The representatives from Ballot Initiative 300 did, in fact, speak quite a bit. There was a lot of back and forth. Um, and, I, and I think what's important to understand here is we believe that if ballot 300 is enacted, you're going to cut short-term rental licenses by 40-plus percent. There's going to be less people in town. There's going to be less people here, less units to work at. So housekeeping, maintenance, uh, vendors of all sorts, there's going to be less work for them. So the fact that they... Uh, that Pedro was communicating that, and some other supporters for 2D were communicating that, I don't see as anything other than the truth of what's going on here. And I think we have to recognize that.
1: And we have a caller, so we're going to bring them up.
4: Hi, you're live on Kodo. Hi, this is Dahlia Mertens. I'm a local here for almost 20 years now, and a small business owner as well. And I'd like to speak to my experience with this housing crisis. Um, It's affected my business in a very bad way Um, for several years now. I've had a really hard time getting the employees I've needed. I've had several employees leave town because of the housing crisis. And it's cost my business probably tens of thousands of dollars in damages over the last couple of years with this housing crisis. So as a small business owner, I've really felt the sting of this. I'm not in the accommodations business. I'm not a realtor. So I feel it differently than them. I understand that this would definitely give a sting to that business, you know, those businesses. But every other small business in town has been suffering as a result of this housing crisis for the last several years. And I feel very strongly that we all need to bear the brunt of this. My husband is also a small business owner in town, and they've had to cut back their workforce well their workforce cut back itself 75% this summer because all of their workforce couldn't find housing and has moved on so it's affecting I'd I'd be interested I heard Jesse Ray Arguelles throw out a very large number about how much money this is going to cost businesses in town but I'm I'm kind of curious on how much this housing crisis has cost small businesses because I know just my business alone has cost Mary Jane's probably like $50,000 over the last few years, just having to retrain people, losing people that I paid recruiters to get, to bring in. And it's, uh, it's been a real struggle. Um, I think it's also interesting that one of the um, arguments against 300 is that it's going to cause, you know, a lot of labor issues. The only labor issue we have right now is that we don't have enough labor because we don't have enough housing. So I feel like that is not really a salient point when we're talking about it. We really need a stopgap right now. We're in a housing crisis and we all need to bear the brunt of this. And uh, we all need to band together and drastic times call for drastic measures. So I support 300. Thank you for your
2: call. Thank you, Dahlia. Small business owners and community members have already been paying the price. For this housing and labor crisis, for years, and we're at a critical state with it right now. And so we support you. We love Mary James. <laughs> um- and we've been talking a lot about the fact that central to this narrative is what will happen to the lodging industry? What will the effects in this, the cutbacks in the lodging industry, what will the effects be on the real estate industry? But what are the costs that all the businesses on Main Street have already paid? What about on the unfilled government jobs, the vacancies at the Med Center, at the Tellur- in the Telluride School District, all the nonprofits that are incredibly short-staffed? What about all the people like musicians and artists in this community who tourists come and love to participate in the entertainment those people provide. These folks have already been paying the price. And as Dahlia said, everybody needs to share the burden.
3: I think the, the question you're asking is, how do we get more affordable housing in Telluride? And how do we do it fast? And question 2D does exactly that. How does it do that? It does that two ways, which I said earlier. One is that we're maintaining the funding to construct the housing that's in the pipeline to be built. If question 300 passes, we're not just reducing tax revenue to the town, which maybe has some some intangible benefit. What we're reducing is money to the affordable housing fund, which will then not be available to build housing. And so when I've talked to experts in the housing industry, um, so many communities don't have a pipeline of housing. They're wrestling with things like, how do we do get the funding? How do we find land? Um, we have that. We're in position right now to build housing. So I think the answer for the caller's question is, really, let's build the housing as fast as we can. We're trying to maintain that funding through question 2d by putting a cap on the short-term rental licenses where they are right now and continuing that funding and then adding additional funding which can address immediate problems for uh, while we're waiting for that housing to be completed
4: we have
1: another call and then haley i'll go to you
4: hi you're live on Koto. hey there it's marla meredith thanks for your talk tonight of course you have a question or a comment
1: Hmm? do you have a question or a comment
4: I do. Yeah, I was wondering. Um, so, if we prevent, prevent um, these additional homes from getting their um, licenses to rent short term, those houses then are just going to likely sit there completely unoccupied. It, it doesn't mean these owners are necessarily going to rent long term. And if they did, it sounds like for many people I've talked to, it's going to be an incredibly cost prohibitive amount per month that they can earn you know, the money that they were used to earning for short
2: term. Thank you so much for your question, for Marla. Your question. This is Emily Scott Robinson from Ballot Measure 300. Um, we have heard that so much. And actually, what people don't know is that there are a lot of smaller units throughout Telluride and other zones besides the accommodations district that people can afford to rent. And that when you start to look at the property values of those places, or sorry, the original purchase prices of those homes, and you go through property records, you recognize that there are lots of condos and apartments and small units that could be rented by their owner long-term on the long-term rental market, and their mortgage could be paid, and they could still turn a significant profit on those units, but they're not doing it because they can make more money short-term renting and airbnb Haley was kicked out of her long-term rental unit, which was a one bedroom in the residential zone in Telluride in order to turn it into a short-term rental. This has been happening not only in Telluride but all around the country. Communities everywhere are putting a stop to it and that's what we're trying to do. Uh, Airbnb contributes, Airbnb and short-term rentals across the board contribute to an increase in short-term rentals while decreasing the long-term supply of rentals and there are plenty of rentals that could be rented at the market rate in Telluride affordable to locals. And that's what we, that is part of what our measure desires, we desire, or we hope. Um, and we also anticipate, because other communities have done this, uh, a turnover of some of those short-term rentals back to the long-term rental
3: market. I, I can just say, it's wishful thinking. Um, we went out, we talked to hundreds of owners of short-term, rental use, of short-term rental units, and in fact, there would be very, very little interest and why? Because these owners use them as vacation homes. They, and they want also to come make out and use them.
4: them.
3: Um, you know, it would be good to sit down and talk through the economics of short term rental, but I'm not, I'm not sure it's relevant for this question, which is the people use the units as vacation homes. So it's very difficult for them to think about turning them over to long term rentals. That said, We do think that there could be incentives that could be put in place that might convince a percentage of those owners to do exactly that. Um, But that's going to take some work and some programming with the town to figure that out. And that would be part of a program that we would try to push forward, which is the rental assistance concept. If we went to an owner and said, hey, can you put your unit into long-term rental, what would it cost? And if the owner gave us a price for that, and we knew that workforce uh, housing could afford Y, the difference between X and Y could be made up in a rental assistance program. So in the short term, I think we can solve some of those problems. But just blanket cutting short-term rentals and hoping that a bunch of those people will convert to long-term rental just isn't realistic. We're gonna go
1: to Haley and then I have a question I'm gonna jump
3: in on. To be clear,
5: the rental assistance program could happen under three hundred or two D. Town Council has already said the things that they would do to incentivize long term rentals, no matter what the cap is. So it can happen under three hundred or two D. It's not a two D thing.
1: I want to jump in with a question. So kind of taking it away from, for a moment, from the housing piece of it, but the economic piece, um, you know, 2D has talked a lot about how this will have an impact on the economy. And I recognize what I'm going to say right now is not specifically speaking to those funds going to affordable housing. Um, but at the presentation that Telski did last week, um, both Chad and Chuck Horning said that currently hotels in the region outside of peak times, sit at about 50% capacity. And then there's four projects going forward in Mountain Village. There's another hotel project going in in Telluride. And so for Keith and Pedro, I am curious, you know, what is it that makes you feel like these potentially 400 plus minus beds or units that could be... um, restricted from if 300 goes through, why do you think that that's the make or break for the economic vitality of this town?
3: You know, I don't think we've said that that's the make or break. We've just said, realistically, it's going to have a significant impact. Our estimates would say it's going to result reducing the number of short-term rental licenses from the current level of 787 down to 497 is going to reduce, reduce... revenues across restaurant retail and lodging by 40 plus million dollars which is going to result in a reduced tax revenues to the town of over two million dollars so that's just those are just the numbers they're just less units that are going to run it's gonna be 1500 people in town who aren't going to be here anymore
1: but could I guess so the question is could those people then be in hotels
3: You know, hotels and short-term rentals are two different uh, choices of product. People that want to stay in a unit with a kitchen and a washer-dryer and a living room and have more space are not people who look at a hotel as an alternative and vice versa. People that live in hotels want to go out to dinner every night. They don't care about having the larger living space. So, you know, people make different choices on their vacations. And so uh, the short-term rental industry fills one need for people who come to Telluride. And, and, and let's remember one thing. You know, we're not saying let's have unrestricted, unregulated growth. We're, our measure caps the number of short-term rental licenses for two years. Council could extend that if they wanted to. They could they could lessen it if they wanted to. I mean, yes, council has tons of power. They can do lots of things. But I think at the end of the day, we're saying, yeah, we need to take a breath here. And and let's figure this out.
1: We have another call coming in. Hi, you're live on Koto. Yeah. Or you should be. Gosh, y'all, I feel so bad. This should be working. (laughs)
3: You're
5: doing your
1: best. (laughs) Hi, you're live on Coto. Can you hear? No. Okay. Try calling back. I promise we'll answer your call.
2: Can I talk a little bit about the numbers that um, Keith is throwing out? It's really important for our town to have an independent study of the economic impacts of short-term rentals. And... Every proponent of ballot measure 2D works in, all the people behind this work in the lodging industry. So the surveys that they have done, everybody, of the quote-unquote surveys they have done of short-term rental owners are coming from the industry that makes money off of it. And so I really respect the fact that you're fighting for your business. You should be. I would be if I were you too. But we need independent research and the numbers that have been extrapolated and presented to town council are outrageously high and they're hyperbolic and they're not based in any kind of independent research on the economic effects in our town. And so um, it's just very important to know where everybody is getting their facts.
1: We're going to try and take this call. And Keith, if you want to jump in as well. Hi, you're live on Kodo. Hi, can you hear me? Yes.
0: Hey, this is Megan Honey. I have a question for the 2D side. Um, I feel like you guys are you're obviously running under an um, initiative of affordable housing, and I was just wondering why did it take a citizen's initiative to cap short-term rentals and reduce short-term rentals and dig into profits of real estate agents in the lodging industry for you to bring
1: about your own initiative? Thank you. Thanks for your call.
3: You know, there's no question that uh, the, the introduction of Question 300 in the summertime uh, was a big motivation for us to uh, uh, work with council and work with people to create an alternative, which is Question 2D. Um, we have been working on affordable housing uh, for 30 years, and all of the 30 years that I've been here um, so affordable housing as a problem in this community is not new. Sometimes it's, it's a bigger problem. Sometimes it's a lesser problem. We fe- felt confident as we were coming out of the pandemic, at least as far as we've come out of it, um, and we were moving into this summer that, yes, we see the crisis in affordable housing every day. We're not able to hire employees. Uh, but we also saw that our governments and private employers were working hard to build housing. And looking at the numbers of housing that were coming on the lo- online and what the timing of that housing was, uh, we felt that there was help on the way. Um, our concern when Question 300 was introduced was that, oh my gosh, here we are. We're looking at housing coming on the way, and now we're going to drastically cut the funding for that housing, and which could slow it down, which made no sense to us. And so we sat down, looked at the measure, tried to understand the economic impacts of it. And I know the numbers aren't friendly to Question Three Hundred, but I don't think you can deny it. there's going to be a huge impact. Uh, short-term rentals represent sixteen percent of the sales tax revenue to the town of Telluride. It's a huge contributor um, to every Part of our community. I, I I would also suggest, you know, there there's sort of this idea that somehow lodging people are 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 these greedy money grubbers. You know, we are a huge part of the fabric of this community. We donate tons of time and and lodging and uh, uh, staffing to help with all sorts of events, festivals, sports events, uh, whether it's kids jazz camp or baseball or whatever it might be. Which is why, you know, Steve Gumbel and Craig Ferguson from Blues and Brews and the Bluegrass Festival have come out strongly uh, in support of Question 2D because they recognize we really do support the arts. We're a huge part of what happens here in Telluride with regard to the arts. And we look forward to continuing to do that.
2: Can I respond to that as an artist and a musician? Um, Craig Ferguson and Steve Gumble didn't talk to any musicians or artists in this community before going forward with their support for 2D. Artists and musicians in this community struggle to live here, and not all of us qualify for deed restricted housing and local housing. And so it's important to protect long-term rentals in the free market. I, I have a specific question for you, Keith. If short-term rentals aren't the problem, then why does 2D cap short-term rentals?
3: Um, We cap short-term rentals because um, we do think that, and we've been asking for this for a number of years, that uh, the town of Telluride needs to do some work to understand the role of short-term rentals in the lodging community. We also cap short-term rentals because we wanted to ensure that we had uh, uh, protected the funding source to build the long-term housing that needs to happen. So, I do think we have to look at uh, the short-term rentals in our community and how uh, what role they're going to play going forward. You know, our community evolves. You know, in the 30 years I've been here, I've seen times when when we're begging for people to come here. You know, you talk about a 50 percent occupancy rate, but the reality is, um, there's times when we're full and there's times when we're dead empty. And so that's why there's a 50% occupancy rate. And so it's a very hard place to try to manage a business like this. And there are times in this community when we've had tons of people here. And there's been times when people have been scrambling to just make rent. And so I don't think that uh, uh, this is anything new. We've always been a part of the conversation. And, And that's why we stepped up here and said, hey... There is an important moment here for us to get involved, for us to work with members of the community. Um, It's not true that the only people supporting 2D are lodging and real estate. We have an extended community of people. Pedro's a good example here. Um, But we have lots of people from lots of different parts of the community who have come to us and thanked us for uh, uh, bringing an alternative.
5: Hey, Keith, I do want to say last night we spoke at um, Telluride... um same room of people opposed the 2.5% affordable housing tax two let's, years ago. And it's the same group of people that are fighting against 300 right now. Let's,
3: let's get clear on, on where we were in 2019. Um, we didn't like the 2.5% short-term rental tax for two reasons. One, we felt like it really was targeting and demonizing one segment of this community and suggesting that that segment of the community is solely responsible somehow for the affordable housing crisis we have. The reality is we all have a role in creating that housing crisis if you're an employer and you hire people if you're a customer and you go to a store and buy products where employees are serving you we've all contributed to the to the problem and we all have a stake in the solution so in 2019 what we advocated for was a 0.5% sales tax across tourism related businesses we felt the community should share the burden more broadly. And we thought we could raise more money with that tax than was simply a 2.5% tax, which targeted just short-term rentals and left out hotels and restaurants and retail and all sorts of other businesses that benefit from tourism.
5: Wait, wait, wait. Can I confirm that you championed the 2.5% tax in your ad, your full-page ad in the newspaper on Sunday? No, what
3: I'm saying is we championed 0.5% 0.5% sales tax across it's the board. It's also
5: listed in your pros for 2D.
2: The tax that you guys, that the, I'm sorry, just to well, clarify. We,
3: yeah, we,
5: the we,
2: tax that the lodging industry opposed two years ago was listed as one of the pros in their full page ad in the Daily Planet.
3: Look, look let's be clear. That's okay. We're just, very supportive of the money we're raising for affordable housing. The, the voters passed it. We thought we had a better idea in terms of proposing a 0.5 percent tax at the time, uh, but that's not the way it came out. And so, so we're in support of collecting that, those monies. We haven't gone back to the voters, for example, and asked for it to be repealed. Um, we support funding for affordable housing, and we've always supported it. You know, the, the issue now in 2021 is that we have a housing crisis. There's housing that's ready to be built. And Question 300 is proposing to cut a big chunk out of the funding. And from our standpoint, that doesn't have to be. That housing will still be built if 2D doesn't pass. Wishful thinking. And
4: we have a caller. Hi, you're live on Cotto. Hi there. So want to switch gears here real quick to uh, campaign finance. After reading today's filing for the Local Issues Committee, I noticed that 2D has raised over $92,000, which is almost half of what this measure will raise. And your local registered agent is Lee Zeller. However, my main question is, why did Community Alliance for Effective Housing Solutions file for a nonprofit with the Colorado Secretary of State and why that nonprofit filing isn't using a local registered agent. In fact, the registered agent they're using is the same registered agent that Airbnb Payments Incorporated has listed on their SO uh, Secretary of State filing.
1: Thanks for your question.
3: Yeah, so, you know, when we started looking at question 300 in the summertime and started to try to think what might be a better alternative. Uh, we realized that we needed to go find some experts you know we 've been wrestling in Telluride with the affordable housing question forever, and I suspect we 're going to have be wrestling with it into the future um, so we sought out experts, one of which uh was an attorney in Denver who had a lot of experience in affordable housing. I don't know about whether he's listed on whatever you said he was, but I can tell you he actually also worked with the town of Telluride um, to collect what was found to be unpaid uh, taxes from Airbnb and VRBO. So, so you know, he worked in Governor Ritter's office. He has a long history of working in state and local issues across the board, and he had a lot of great input. And, and two of the things that, that he suggested, one was... If you've got housing programs that are viable and are real, then you need to support those. And you need to figure out a way to make sure that the funding for those programs continues. And the second thing was you got to do whatever you can do in the short term to help people um, uh, work through uh, the housing issues as best we can right now. And so that that was our our intent. and, And I think this community needs to reach out for help.
1: Keith, I did want to follow up, kind of staying on the vein of campaign finance, but moving a little bit different from what the caller was asking about. Um, so yes, the 2D campaign has raised ninety over ninety thousand dollars so far. You've only spent that. No, sorry, the filing
2: was no. for spending.
1: No, so raised over ninety thousand, spent about thirty five hundred so far. That's right. Um, So, but something that I am curious about is, so there were local donations from local real estate, property management, investment companies. All of the um, individual donors, except for one, none of them were from Telluride, and most of them were from around the country, different states. And so I'm curious, you know, when the idea of this measure is to keep locals local, why isn't that the funding for that campaign? Why is it all coming from outside?
3: Well, as you said, it's not all coming from outside. The majority of the funding is coming from local businesses. There are no outside companies or corporations. There's no Airbnb. There's no VRBO. There are some no... outside corporations.
1: Nothing, no. nothing as big as Airbnb, but like no, but there aren't any LLCs outside corporations.
3: The people that have donated from outside Telluride are property owners here. They're second homeowners who feel like they are part of this community. You know, it's it, it's a difficult thing here because Telluride. Um, you have people in Telluride which, who are consider themselves to be locals, and maybe they've only been here a year. And maybe they're going to plan to move on in two or three years. You have people like myself who came to Telluride 30 years ago and, and have lived here full-time ever since. You have people like like Emily who live here part-time and go back and forth. I live here full-time.
2: I live here, pay taxes here, have a business license here, work here. I travel sometimes for work because I'm a touring musician. I I I live here (laughs) full-time. I understood
3: last night that you said you can't qualify for... for... I
2: don't work 40 hours a week in the R1 school district, but I live here. This is my home. I'm on the board of a nonprofit. I'm a Rotary Club member. I've worked in the schools. I work for Telluride Arts, Telluride Theater, TMVOA. I live here in Telluride. Thank if, you.
3: Yeah, if if you could let me finish. the My point is that there are lots of different types of people that live in Telluride and yet are part of our community. And I think sometimes it's easy to discount one group versus another. I think one of the real issues that's happened in this campaign is that there's been kind of this... This division and this pitting of one group versus another, locals versus second homeowners, for example. And second homeowners, I have clients of ours who have literally owned their homes for longer than I've been here. Uh, they've worked, they've had those homes with generation after generation of of their family coming and staying in those homes. They've donated into the nonprofits in this town. They've been a part of volunteering for festivals and events. And and so I think we need to celebrate and cherish all the members of our community. And so for us to reach out to those members of the community who love Telluride and, and ask them to uh, contribute to uh, uh, our effort to... Uh, try to really solve the affordable housing issue that's in front of us and certainly not allow uh, uh, the community's efforts toward affordable housing to be derailed, which is what we perceive is going to happen with Question 300.
6: Pedro wanted to jump in yeah. quickly. Yes. For me to be a living in affordable housing, I have all my staff They have to work two jobs in this community because they have to help and support their families. Because we have off-seasons coming, and they have to support their families. Like we say, this town runs at 50%, sometimes 100%. Off-season is coming, this family work worth double. And we don't see them. We don't see them. But they're all around town, keeping, paying their taxes, supporting the families, keeping their hard work. A lot of Couple houses and managing in this town helping cleaning those houses. Their owners call me, like, Pedro, what's going to happen with this lady? We want to support, work with you, we approve and support. I believe in duty.
2: Um, <clears throat> so many, sorry, so many things to respond to really quickly. We love second homeowners and have many connections with second homeowners and have had wonderful conversations with second homeowners. This is Emily from Ballot Measure 300, who are concerned about the loss of community in Telluride and the way it's changed. Second homeowners are an incredibly important part of our community. They donate to the arts and nonprofits. They're here for lots of months of the year, and we're not going after second homeowners. We we have specifically been very clear that this is about short-term rental properties specifically. Um, the other thing I just want to point out is that I don't actually know what the total number of dollars we s- reported in our filing today.
1: You have negative um, $25. Yeah,
2: we have... Negative twenty. We spent $25 of our own money um, (laughs) um, in our filing. And the opposition group has raised almost $100,000 to try and keep ballot measure 300 from passing in our community. And it is a majority of outside donors who do not live full-time here in Telluride. It's really important to pay attention to the fact that the promoters of 2-D are saying that they want to raise money for affordable housing, and yet they're spending half of what they plan to raise in a year with their measure on killing our ballot measure. It's disappointing.
1: We, I know... Keith and I were saying this before the show started, that we'll start at five minutes and then all of a sudden have zero minutes left. And Mm -hmm. that is where we are right now. It goes by so, so quickly. Um, So finally, before we go, and I know that we still have people calling and thank you so much, but we're actively running out of time. Um, I am curious, kind of two part question that I'm going to have you all go for. Um, One is that both of these measures could be amended by town council if they're passed. 2D could be could be amended the day after, 300 could be amended six months after, um, and so I'm curious. These measures have both been out in the community for a while now. I think you have heard from both people who are in support of, who are, don't support on both of them, and so I'm curious if your measure passes. What would you recommend to town council to change to make your personal measure better? So not about the other one. What would you say to make your measure better if they wanted to amend it? Um, And then also recognizing that these are pieces of a puzzle. Neither of these are going to fix the housing crisis that we have. So what are other things that you think need to happen in this community in order to kind of get closer to kind of having sustainable housing um, going forward. And yeah, I feel like 300 y'all are going we, for it. So go we for it. have
2: thought about this so much. You guys, our measure is not perfect. We know that we have learned so much since we put first put this forth in the community. And we are so incredibly proud of the way every group and every interest group in the community, and all these people have come forward to talk about real actions and real solutions. It's amazing, and honestly, 300 was kind of a lightning bolt to the ground in Telluride that created all of these conversations. So whether or not our measure passes, we feel like that's a win, and we're so freaking excited and proud of the actions that are happening right now. There are a couple of amendments that we would love to see town council make. One, we would like to see town council pass uh, a law or regulation limiting the number of licenses to 1% per natural person, because we have people who have invested in this community and own six licenses or 15 different licenses under different real estate holdings. We don't think that's appropriate. We think it should be one per person, and town council across the board has agreed that it should be one or one to two per person. The other amendment we'd love to see made is the use of accessory dwellings in the exemption process. So for example, you've got a beautiful house on Oak Street, and you've got a back alley house. If you were to rent that back alley house to a local, you could get a short term rental license and you wouldn't be part of that cap. We really hope um, that town council will consider doing that. Is there anything you want to add, Haley? That's
1: everything I was thinking. Okay, perfect. Keith and Pedro.
3: Great. So um, we are also incredibly excited about what has been happening out in the community as we've been talking with people about our measure, you know, there's 1800 or so registered voters in this town and normally at an election, uh, we might see 900, uh, vote. And, and I think for us, uh, the number one thing we've been trying to do, um, is not beat down 300, but in fact, talk with people, educate people. I've been walking the community. I've walked neighborhoods, knocked on doors, um, to uh, try to get people engaged and try to help people understand that we are in a housing crisis. And we do need to Uh, come together as a community. And and I think, again, that's one of the things that just bothers me is that we end up in a position where we're identifying one group of people, the second homeowners, uh, the STR license holders, as somehow responsible for this problem, and it's just not the case. And so the money we've raised and and, and, uh, uh, we've used that money to try to really educate the community and reach out to people, the two things that we would really like to see council do If uh, uh, 2D passes, one is that we would like to see council take $2 million a year out of the REIT, Funding, which is coming from the real estate transfer tax, and dedicate that money immediately to housing solutions that can be effective this winter. Um, I'm really worried about this winter. You know, we're talking about short term rentals and maybe people will rent ADUs and maybe people will convert their condos. The reality is, none of that's going to happen this winter. There's not enough time. So we've got to do something this winter to solve some of the problems that people have been experiencing. You know, we're, we pushed for that. We had. 80 people at a council meeting pushing for that very thing, and and we feel very strongly that that has to happen. Um, um, I would also like to see council um, really think about um, how they can uh, uh, look at the rental license um Uh, picture and and how do they they work with rental licenses over the long term so that we aren't continually arguing about whether this number of licenses or that number of licenses is correct. What we really need to understand is what's the balance in this community between affordable housing and the projects that we have in the books and the number of people that need affordable housing and then uh, how much housing we can build and how we put people in that housing.
1: We are already over time, but I do want to give both y'all a quick moment to plug. We know that this is an hour of conversation and a lot more people want to be part of it. So um, final plug of what y'all each have going next and how can people find out even more about these measures? Keith, we'll start with you.
3: Sure. So we have uh, we've been doing uh, luncheons every Wednesday from 12 to 1 at the Transfer Warehouse. Uh, We'll be in doing a luncheon tomorrow. Uh, we'll be at the Progressive Women's Caucus uh, tomorrow night, and we're looking forward to a great conversation there. Uh, we have an event, uh, an outreach event, next Monday in the east end of town, uh, where we're really hoping to talk to families and uh, understand what their needs are and how we can do more in this town for affordable housing for uh, uh, for that group, so we're working hard to reach, outreach people almost every day, and um, and so those are some of the things coming up that we're going to be doing.
2: Perfect, yay! Well, we're also going to be at the luncheon um, hosted by by Tar and Anna Wilson every. Wednesday through October. So this is so great. Uh, it's gonna be at noon every day at the transfer warehouse, so it won't be too cold <laughs> um at the middle of the day. And um ballot measure three hundred folks will be there to answer your questions and talk about it. And we really look forward to that. And we're grateful to those folks for hosting. Um we will also be at the Progressive Women's Caucus. Um Keith and I will be um chatting again tomorrow about all this same stuff. And that's gonna be at the library program room um, tomorrow night and uh, the event starts around five. Um, we have an event, we were planning to meet at ghost town on Thursday, um, from five to eight, but it's really snowy and cold right now. So, um, if you guys follow us on tell your neighbor, uh, on Instagram, um, we've got a couple thousand of you following us out there. So, um, us on tell your neighbor, we're going to announce an indoor location for that because it is a little too chilly to be outside that late at night. Um, and we're just trying to figure out a place where you can come have, have some beers or coffee or tea and, and ask us questions. Um, we love having conversations. We're also just taking lots of meetings with members of the community. So please DM us on Instagram or on Facebook. You can also email us at locals at com, And we are looking forward to talking to you. Haley, do you have anything to add? You said it all, Emily. <laughs> I'm sorry. I talked too much. I drank too much coffee before this. Yeah. Thank you so much, Julia and Codo, and thank you so much, Keith and Pedro. We're so grateful to you guys for all being in the room with us tonight. All right. Well, Emily, you just stole my final. Sorry, (laughs) Julia.
1: Um, I definitely do want to thank Haley, Emily, Pedro, Keith. Thank you so much for being here, for being part of this conversation. That is all the time we have this evening. Koto listeners, thank you to everyone who listened, those of you who called in. I'm so sorry to the people who we weren't able to get to um, this evening We're going to be keep going with election programming throughout the rest of the month. Next Tuesday, we're going to be having an off-the-record program in Spanish about the elections coming up. And then on October 26th, we're going to be hearing from the other ballot measures. These aren't the only two on the ballot, so tune in for that, hear about those ones. And then Tuesday, November 2nd, is Election Day, the best day we're going to be here um, all evening on Kodo, so make sure to tune on in. And, of course, the past two weeks, We have already hosted candidate forums with folks uh, running for Telluride Town Council. So if you missed those or you want to have a second listen, you can go find those in our archives at KOTO.org. Thank you so much for uh, being here this evening, and we will see you next week.
0: Thanks for listening to Off the Record. Opinions expressed on this show are those of our guests. Join us again next week for another installment. And in the meantime, drop us a line at news at KOTO.org with feedback and ideas.